So here we are, um, almost at March. The, the month of March starts tomorrow. And I, I wanted to uh, especially mention that this year is, is a year dedicated to St. Joseph. It's a year of St. Joseph. Pope Francis declared a year of St. Joseph because this year is the 150th anniversary of the declaration by Pius IX of uh, St. Joseph as the patron of the Universal Church. So the whole year is dedicated to St. Joseph, and there are many indulgences available to the faithful uh, for various devotions practiced in honor of St. Joseph that you want to take advantage of. Um, and as I say, I especially want to mention this because tomorrow we start the month of St. Joseph. Um, so we, uh, we have every year here a St. Joseph's table that will, will take place on March the 21st. Um, we also have an all-day adoration on March the 9th. Um, we, that's our turn to do that. We have two times a year where, where we, our turn comes up. Um, so wanted to invite you to take advantage of, of those things to honor St. Joseph. And also, of course, his feast day is on March the 19th. Um, so try to, as I say, um, increase your devotion to St. Joseph, especially during this month of March, during this year of St. Joseph. The epistle for this second Sunday of Lent is taken from St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Brethren, we pray and beseech you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so also you would walk, that you may abound the more. For you know what precepts I have given to you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles that do not know God, and that no man overreach nor circumvent his brother in business, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things, as we have told you before and have testified. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto sanctification in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 17th chapter of the gospel of St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus takes unto him Peter and James and John his brother and brings them up into a high mountain apart, and he was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his garments became white as snow. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then Peter answering said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. And as he was yet speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and lo, a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And the disciples' hearing fell upon their face, and were very much afraid. And Jesus came and touched them, and said to them, Arise, and fear not. And they, lifting up their eyes, saw no one but only Jesus. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man, till the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, every year we come to the second Sunday of Lent, and this 
we may say, um, very uh, beautiful choice of Holy Mother Church to present for us on the second Sunday of Lent the gospel for our Lord's transfiguration. And Holy Mother Church wants us to focus so much on this gospel that in fact she has us contemplate it two days in a row. Because if you were able to go to Mass yesterday on Ember Saturday, you would find that that, that same gospel is there for, for yesterday's Mass. So we may ask ourselves, why does this gospel appear um, here right in the middle of Lent, or actually to be precise, 10 days into Lent, 25% of the way um, to the end of Lent? Well, let, let us just say that we know what happened during our Lord's transfiguration. His face was transfigured. It became um, as brilliant as the sun. And his garments were also changed. They became white as snow. This is what, what happened to his body. And during the time of Lent, we chastise our body. We try to bring our body under subjection to right reason and to the grace of God. Why do we do this? We do this so that we may attain the glory of our Lord's glorified body. The transfiguration of our Lord shows us the glory which our bodies will one day have if we are faithful to our Lenten practices, if we chastise our body and bring it into subjection to reason and to grace. The glorification of our Lord's body shows the glory to which our bodies are called, and the passion of our Lord's body shows us the means by which we attain that glorified body. Now, there's something very important that we have to understand about our bodies, and which is so often forgotten in today's secular and godless culture. And this is that our bodies come from God himself. He is the author of our human body. Dell computers come from Dell. Ford cars come from Ford. Oshkosh sweaters come from Oshkosh. But our human bodies, they come from God. And because they come from God, because he is the author of our bodies, he is the one who decided exactly how our bodies are configured, exactly which parts make up our bodies, exactly how our bodies work, and very importantly, what happens to our bodies after we die. The reward and the punishment that is given to us, to our bodies, based on what we've done in this life. And we all know this is true. I mean, this, is, this should be very obvious to us. No one of us was able to decide, and no human being was certainly ever able to decide how their body would be configured. I mean, that's, that's for the world of video games, you know, where, where, where they, they put on all these, these different, configure all these different bodies or avatars according to their whims. But no human being can do that. I mean, I, I certainly didn't decide that I would have ten fingers on my, on my hands or two feet and, and two eyes, and no one of you decided how your bodies would be configured. It was chosen by God. And so he is the Lord of our bodies. And what he decides 
is that there are three states for the human body. The first state is the earthly state that we have right now. And then there's two states for the afterlife, the glorified state and the state of the damned. And what is interesting about each of these states is that they have different levels of control. We have different levels of control over our body by the will of God. During this life, in our earthly state, we have a partial control over our body. If we attain heaven, we have a glorified body, we'll have total control over our body. If, however, we lose our souls, we do not use our bodies properly and God punishes us in hell, and we are damned, we will have absolutely no control over our bodies. So in this earthly state, we have a partial control over our bodies. Um, after the fall of, of Adam, God decreed, of course, death in our her- current human condition. And in this human condition, what happens is we start off as infants, and we have practically no control over our bodies. Then we grow up, we grow older, and we gain greater and greater control over our bodies until we reach this, this height of control over our bodies when we are adults. And then we grow old, and as we grow old, slowly but surely, we once more lose control over our bodies. And, you know, I mean, we we delight in that ability we have to control our bodies. We think of, of youth, the springtime of youth, when we have that maximal control over our bodies and how the youth rejoice in their ability, they, the ability they have they, to use their bodies and um, sport contests and to perform athletic feats just to manifest how much control they have over their own body. But what I really want to emphasize is that God gives us during this life this control, this partial control over our body, not so much to attain these athletic feats, certainly the, the joy that we, that we gain from that um, comes from God, but much more that we control our bodies so that we can glorify God in our bodies. We are meant to use our bodies in such a way that they give honor to God. We are meant to take our bodies as they are designed by God and use them in the way that he has intended so that one day they will be glorified. This is the plan that that God has for us, and, and this is precisely what makes sins of the flesh so wrong because of the fact that God is the Lord of your body, that he has designed it. He has made it for certain activities. He's made it in a certain way. When you abuse your body, when you use it to commit sin, you are going against God himself. You are abusing the plan that he has, that he has given to you, in the way that he has made you. This is what St. Thomas Aquinas points out when he's discussing the sin of lust, the capital sin of lust. He starts off by quoting St. Paul, who says, You are bought with a great price. Glorify and bear God in your body. And then he goes on and he says, Wherefore, by inordinately using the body through lust, a man wrongs God who is the supreme Lord of our body. Hence, St. Augustine says, 
God, who thus governs his servants for their good, not for his, made this order and commandment, lest unlawful pleasures should destroy his temple, which thou hast begun to be. You must treat your body with respect and use it for the good. Glorify God in your body because it comes from God. And this is the whole point. This is the whole subject of the epistle today from St. Paul. He's telling the Thessalonians that they have to make a greater progress, and he's especially emphasizing to them, you must treat your body with respect. You must use it well. And that is for us as well, the greater progress that we must make in Lent, because we're focusing on this mortification of the body during the Lenten time. He tells the Thessalonians that this greater progress that he's asking of them consists in possessing your vessel in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. To possess your own body. All saying to yourself, well, I've, I've got control of my body. Look at this. You know, I can do whatever I want with my body. I can move my body how I want. I've got, what are you talking about? I, I possess my own body. What he's talking about is that you can control the impulses towards sin that you have that arise in your body and you keep them in check so that you do not sin with your body. That's what he's talking about, possessing your own body. You keep it under control. The world has always been so deceitful about this question, trying to convince us that our true freedom is just letting our body go, just letting our impulses go, just let them run wild in you. Whatever passion or desire you have, just run with it. And that's how you will attain happiness. St. Paul and our Lord tell us the opposite. No, it is in subjecting your body to reason. It's in controlling the impulses of your body that you will attain happiness. You are not called to be an animal. You are something higher than an animal. You must act reasonably. And it's not reasonable to let your emotions and your animal appetites run wild in your soul so that you're always just gratifying your sensual appetites whenever they may be enkindled within you. That is not what you are called to. St. Paul says, God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. We are not meant to use our bodies for fornication. We are not meant to use our bodies for masturbation. We are not meant to use our bodies for just gratifying our sexual appetite or our appetite for food. We are called to something higher than that. And this is what we must fulfill during our life. You are meant to control your eyes that they be not defiled, to hold them back, from seeing things that you know will enkindle the flame of lust. You are meant to control your ears, lest they listen 
to, to music or songs that might enkindle that flame of lust or anger or violence. You're meant to control your tongue such that whenever your tongue desires sweet meats or things that are delectable, that you do not live to eat, but you eat to live. You're meant to control your sense of touch, that your hands or the rest of your body be not defiled by sin, that you just seek some sort of sensual pleasure through your, the touch. You're meant to control the movement of your body, how you use your arms and your legs and your hands, how you move them, the way your legs move you, where are they moving you to? Where are they going? Or your arms, what are they moving out to accomplish? Your hands, what are they grasping? You're meant to hold them back whenever they, they have that impulse to touch or to hit or to do things that are contrary to the purpose for which God gave you your body. So this is what we do during Lent. We curb those natural appetites. We refrain from indulging our body so that we can ennoble it, so that we can direct it to a purpose higher than itself. And what is the result? What is going to happen if you are successful in doing this during your life? It is that after your life, you will have a glorified body, just like the one that our Lord manifested on the day of his transfiguration. Your face will shine like the sun. Your soul will have total control over your body, a control that you can't possibly imagine. You will no longer be constricted by physical law. Your body will be able to move at the speed of thought. Your body will no longer be, be able to be opposed by physical obstacles. Your body will pass through physical things just as the body of our Lord passed through the doors of the upper room after his resurrection. Your body will not suffer anymore. It will no longer feel pain. Nothing can make, could make your body feel pain once it is glorified. Your, your body will we'll no longer be subjected to the needs that we have on this earth that so constrict our soul, so prevent our soul from being free to, to think and to choose. How many hours do we have to spend sleeping and eating and drinking? And this is a burden on our soul. How often we would like to do things, but we can't because we're exhausted or we're stressed or we've got a headache, or we're sick. The glorified body will not feel any of these things. 24-7, you will be able to think and choose with complete and utter freedom. What a glorious state this is that we aspire to, in which our Lord manifests to us in this gospel. How should this not motivate us to be generous in our Lenten practices, to bring our flesh under subjection to our higher powers and to the grace of God. Meanwhile, what is going to happen to those who do not accomplish that during life, who do not have those Lenten practices, 
who are not struggling to subject their body to right reason, who just let their passions go, who follow the world with the things that they see, the things that they hear, the things that they do. Well, for the damned, they will be in a very sad state indeed because they have dishonored the body that God has given them because they've completely given themselves over to their animal nature. They have not controlled their body. They have not possessed their vessel during this life. When they get their body back at the last day, because they will get it back, they will have no control over it whatsoever. And this is a state so miserable, we, we cannot imagine how terrible it is Our Lady of Fatima gave the the three children of of Fatima um, a certain sense of what that's like when she showed them the vision of hell. And and there was just all these bodies just kind of like embers in a fire. They're just kind of floating and moving around in in a very random way, not in the normal way that that we see people walk and, and act here below. But they're moving, obviously, as people who have no control over their own bodies. It's depicted in the same way in Dante's Inferno when he's going and he's descending down into hell and he comes precisely to that circle of hell dedicated to the impure. All those who send through impurity are, and it's a vast plain, and he just sees people just flying around without any control over the bodies. There's this great wind. They're just going here, there, and everywhere without any ability to to, to direct their bodies in any way. You think about what, what it would be like if you, if you could not move your, your, your hands or your arms the way that you wanted to, like your whole body was paralyzed and like something comes flying at you, but you can't move your head out of the way to, to avoid that object, that, that your arms are too heavy to move, your legs are too heavy to move, your body's not cooperating with anything that you want to do. It's just like a corpse. It's like a living corpse. That is what it will be like for the damned. They will be living the second death spoken of by Scripture. But they're alive, but they have absolutely no ability to move their own bodies. All because they misuse and abuse their bodies during this life. This is the punishment of God because you misuse and abuse your body during this life. When this life is over, you will not be able to use your body. So my dear faithful, God did not give you the wonderful human body that he has designed so perfectly so that you can just indulge it with all manner of sensual pleasure in this life. He's created you for something much higher. He gave it to you to be a vessel of honor, a dwelling place of God himself, a holy place where our Lord himself wants to come in holy communion and take his rest in your body. It must be holy. You must make it holy. Consider the most pure body of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Why do we honor her so much? One of the reasons is because she took that body from God, that pure virginal body that was never stained with sin, and she always subjected it 
to the movements of grace. This is one of the reasons why God did not allow her body to suffer any corruption after she died. It did not corrupt in any way. And so her body, pure, immaculate, the body that formed God himself, was taken up, complete, intact, to heaven, and dwells there right now. We must have this ambition. We must have this desire to one day have a glorified body, just like the body of our Lord and our Lady, just like the body that they have right now, radiant, sort of radiating the, the holiness that belongs to those who have saved their souls. At the end of the day, the struggles and mortifications of this life are so short. Let us be very generous with our Lenten practices, and then we will possess that glory for all eternity with our Lord and our Lady. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.